0: I'm Silas Farley. I'm a dancer with New York City Ballet and it's my pleasure to welcome you to Hear the Dance. In today's episode I'll be joined by one of the brightest stars in the New York City Ballet's history, Patricia McBride. We will discuss different aspects of her illustrious career and will give special attention to the ballerina role that George Balanchine created for her in the rubies section of his ballet jewels. Patricia McBride is affectionately known as Patty. She was born in Teaneck, New Jersey, and began her ballet training at the age of seven. At 14, she came to the School of American Ballet. At 16, she joined City Ballet as an apprentice. And by 18, she had reached the rank of Principal Dancer. Patty went on to a 30-year career with the company. She danced 60 different principal roles, 30 of which had been created especially for her. These included Jerome Robbins's Dances at a Gathering, The Four Seasons, *Opus 19, The Dreamer, and the Goldberg Variations, as well as original roles in beloved Balanchine ballets like Coppelia, Harlequinade, Tarantella, Divertimento from La Base de la Fée, The Steadfast Tin Soldier, Who Cares, Vienna Waltzes, and the list goes on. In 1964, she danced Stars and Stripes with Jacques Dumboise in the television broadcast of City Ballet's inaugural performance at Lincoln Center. She performed for presidents Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Carter, and Reagan. Her 1989 farewell performance at City Ballet was a four-hour celebration that included excerpts from 12 different ballets with which she was closely associated. At the start of the performance, the mayor of New York City presented her with a Tiffany apple. At the evening's close, 13,000 roses were thrown onto the stage, and a cadre of ballet stars that included Jerome Robbins and Mikhail Baryshnikov served as her flower boys. When Lincoln Kirstein reflected on Patty's career, this is what he wrote. A product of our school, she came up through the ranks of our company. In good times and bad, she never failed to use steps as sparks that have kept us bright. There have been times when she could properly been thanked for having kept our entire ensemble in focus. Upon retiring from the stage, Patty taught at the Indiana University Jacobs School of Music and the Chautauqua Institution. And since 1996, she has served as Associate Artistic Director of the Charlotte Ballet in North Carolina. In 2014, she followed in the steps of both Balanchine and Robbins by becoming a Kennedy Center honoree. On a personal note, Patty is very dear to me as she was my teacher in my hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina. Through her masterful instruction and her direct link to Balanchine, Patty was my great inspiration to become a New York City ballet dancer. And she has encouraged me every step of that journey. To be here now, living my childhood dream, is a testament to her investment in me, and it fills me with joy to welcome her today to hear the dance. Welcome, Patty.
1: Thank you for that beautiful introduction, <laughs> Silas. It's too much. I'm tearing up. <laughs> mm. <It's laughs> Thank such, you. It's such a delight to have you here um, on the podcast. Well, it's such a pleasure to see you grown up, all grown up. Mm. I'm so proud of you and all your accomplishments and joy in dance and enthusiasm and passion. It's wonderful for me to see as your teacher, as your former teacher. <laughs> Thank you, Patty.
0: Thank you. Patty, you had such a long and multifaceted life with City Ballet. Can you take us all the way back to the start of that journey when you first joined the company, and could you talk to us a little bit about what City Ballet was like in your early days, and who were the dancers that inspired
1: you? Yes, well, I, I was so blessed, and so fortunate. Uh, I remember I actually I was an apprentice first. There were six of us and we did the Symphony and C fourth movement. It was rather traditional <laughs> for them to take SEB students and try them out. And then if, if they like you on stage, they'll, you'll have a good chance of coming into the company. So that was already my mom and I were jumping for joy the moment I found out that I was going to be an apprentice. I couldn't believe it. And then there was the pressure of doing well. And I remember my my first performance I was in the front. I was in the f- doing the t- you know the tondu section mm-hmm. here on the sides. Mm-hmm. Well, somehow my foot was going opposite everybody else. Oh, no. And I thought I was sure after the show they were going to fire me or something. I felt <laughs> so bad that I made that mistake, but Luckily they they I guess they nobody even said they noticed it so I was very happy. And um then I worked very hard at, at SEB, and um then I when they told me I was just ecstatic and it was my dream come true because Mr. Ballanchine was such a and a genius and extraordinary man and I was just in awe of him. Mm. He was sort of my Father figure, not quite then, but Mm -hmm. I I would see him as a student rehearsing his ballets Mm. going from, and then he would come and watch our classes when I was a student. Mm. He would come from Madame Dabrowska's wonderful point classes, and he'd come in, and she would get all excited that he was here. She would be very um, just thrilled that he was there. And she would, um, because she was, for me, she was the epitome of the first ballet dancer. Mm. She was tall at that age because all the dancers were r- much shorter mm-hmm. in, in, those, in those times. In the Diaghilev company. But yeah. she was magnificent. And um, all the teachers, all my teachers were, they were all different at SAB. We had all the Russians from Madame Dabrowska, Madame Tchaikovsky, Pierre Vladimirov, Mr. Obukov, Muriel Stewart. And they were all so special in their own rights. And so as a student only having their classes, when I went to the company and started classes with Mr. Balanchine, it was overwhelming because it was so different. I wasn't yet a Balanchine dancer. I joined the company, but your generation now you have, you know, you have Suki Shore and Susie Pilar and Katrina Killian and, of course, Kay Mazo, who's there, and they teach you what mm-hmm. Balanchine had mm-hmm. but we he mr. Balanchine loved the he, he, the people that he started to start his school in 19, in the 1930s mm-hmm. 33 f- 34 mm-hmm. they were all uh, his contemporaries and people that he really want he felt that's where he wanted the dancers of america to go Mm. but so when i joined the company i i was like ecstatic of course to be a company i was like jumping for joy (laughs) it was like (laughs) the most exciting part a dream come true Mm. like it's everybody's you know dream is to come if you're a student Mm -hmm. and um of sab so when i got there and then i thought i was so struck by the, the theory, his theory, it was so different than what I had learned before. The articulation of the feet, the mm-hmm. energy, fifth, the tondu, all of that. How you had to hold your hands, your arms, and it was all so specific. It was incredible, and there are things that we did that I, I had never, you know, thought of before, or, and he would give us every day. He'd teach us every day, two-hour classes sometimes. Sometimes he'd sit down at the piano and play a tune. And, but we always had uh, Gordon Belsler playing our class, where he was an extraordinary pianist. And, but I, I, you know, I was very depressed because I felt, oh, I can't do this. This is so different than what I've done all my life. And I just, you know, so I persevered, and I tried to get my spirits up, but I was surrounded by ma- magnificent dancers. And I would take class with all the people that I watched as a student on stage. Melissa Hayden and Violette verdi Kent and Diana Adams and Patricia Wilde and Jelana. And they were so amazing. And they were all so different. They looked, they danced differently. They looked differently. And they were remarkable. And I think the first ballet I saw, actually, was when I was a student, was Serenade. Because I had been... In a local school with one teacher, and I adored her. I just loved her. But she told me I'd had to come to New York. She said, "I can't teach you anymore. You've got to go, where there, uh, you know, even better students than you, so you can also learn from the people in your class." Which I really did. There were such wonderful, there were steps that when I went to SAB that I had never done like an andres of cease or an attitude turn. So I kind of had to work very hard and I used to really push to work. And I, because Balanchine's classes were so extraordinary and so specific and as the time went by, it all came together. Mm. And I felt now I am a Balanchine dancer because I I feel that I watched every second that he did and I was thinking constantly about what he wanted, and um, and it was so beautiful to learn that, and so exciting. Mm. He's in me today, you know, all his theory and. But he's not like what you think. You know, you think of Valentin, it's just energy, musicality, you know, getting the legs work. It's so much more than that. And um, to be in class with all the ballerinas and watch them, and they were so kind and loving, and to see my heroes, my, you know, role models, and, you know, dreaming. And then I I was in the Corps and learning, you know, I was a monster in in, um, Firebird, and, you know, Swan Lake Corps, Stars and Stripes Western Corps, doing all that stuff, Guno Corps, doing all that, and... Well, by bit, um, I just tried to keep a positive because it's, you know, you always think, I always think, oh, I'm not good enough. I, the one person we all wanted to be good for was George Balanchine. Also, a part of who I am as a teacher is because of him, mm-hmm. all he taught me. At the time we were at City Center for five years, I was 16 till 21 there. And then when we moved to Lincoln Center... We had to learn to dance bigger because the stage was so gigantic. I don't know, he made all those masterpieces on that very small stage. I mean, when I think of Symphony and C, our two were practically touching, or -hmm. you do one saute step, glissage, and you were across the stage. So coming to Lincoln Center was a revelation. And uh, his, so he, we developed the movement the technique sort of changed over the years. And he would also be inspired by different dancers, and by, you could see sometimes he'd try steps that he was gonna do in ballets. You kind of knew what was coming in the ballets. He'd try them out in the classes that he taught. And they were also musical. He also wanted beautiful hands, beautiful fingers. Um, beautiful épommant, the shoulders and the head was so important. You had to be a complete dancer from the top of your toes to the ends of your fingertips mm. so that you would use your whole body, just not from the waist down. Mm. It was all connected some way. Mm. He didn't want us look, have us look like zombies. He'd say, I don't want you looking at yourself, shoulder square, looking front and just dancing without using beautiful épommant and he would try to bring things out in you that you didn't know you had by the ballets he would make for you. Mm. You know, and he developed all of us by the roles that we gave working on those ballets first with him, but then over the years there was a trust that he had for all of his dancers. For me, you know, he just trusted me to to he'd make a ballet and that it, it would be done in no time there was no experimentation normally in what he did he knew what he wanted and he always said he never he never was he didn't choreograph outside, he just would study the score and he'd come in the studio and that's when he started choreographing which I find so extraordinary because he seemed like it just would take off and he'd dance it for you and it was astonishing what he came up with. I was always so amazed. It, I was kind of awestruck by the steps that would unfold. It was such a surprise, you know, what he would do. And it was never something that he'd try to be original. he never, like, take something and then, oh, let's go the other way. That'll, that'll be something. It'll look different. It was enough to do what he did is like the most natural way, because he knew what she could do on point, what a woman could do, how she could go through the toes and how she would get up on the points, what was possible. But being in the company was so extraordinary during that time, and it was lovely how I was taken care of and that Mr. B would trust me to these roles. Mm. And then he choreographed, I think when I was 17, the figure in the carpet with Nicholas Magellanis, who was sort of my mentor because he helped me so much. You know, he gave me confidence, and I danced a lot with him. And I remember thinking, oh, I was so nervous about doing it. It was my first thing that Mr. Balanchine choreographed for me. <laughs> and I wanted to be you know, good and it was the only time that I my legs were like jelly when I was performing and I said I came off stage thinking oh if I'm going to be like this I don't think I could be a dancer ever again it was the only time I ever felt really nervous but I did it, it wouldn't show but I felt like I was just but it was amazing you know to have something at such a young age and, and after then,
0: figuring the carpet Mr. B went on to make Twenty-one different lead I roles know, I didn't, for you. Did
1: I count? I don't know. Did I? That, then we did Hermia in *Midsummer Night's Dream*, and Nick, Nick Nicholas Nikki Nikki was my partner in that. And um, he always—I had wonderful people around me. You know, I felt like I was being nurtured, and because we always had to learn fast. You didn't have a lot of—you didn't have weeks and weeks to prepare for a, a role. Mr. Balanchine liked to sort of test you and throw you out on stage without you having a lot of rehearsal because the rep was so enormous at that time. He had such a way of giving you confidence when you did a role. You know, he didn't explain a lot. He expected you to use your imagination. And I guess it was reason enough he thought that he was picking you to do a role, that he thought... He was, I think, a genius in casting for his ballets, also, and he wanted he developed a lot of the dancers by putting them in ballets to make them grow. And this, you know, if you had trouble doing a step or whatever, he I saw that that he would do. But he also shaped you as a dancer by the roles that you were given. And I know he I was thrown a lot in the when I was very young with injuries, and he'd say, oh, learn it. So I'd learn it really quick, and I was thrown out on stage. So you have to, when you're a dancer, you have to be able to, like, absorb everything, you know, from the... And we had good ballet masters uh, also. But I think Balanchine just wanted you to be true to yourself, and that was so wonderful. It was so liberating that he didn't say, oh, I want you to do this like so-and-so did it before... That's what I try when I'm working with dancers. I don't want them to dance like me. I want them to be themselves. But the choreography has to be, his legacy has to be there. The musicality is so special. The way he showed the musicality makes the music come alive in a way that if it's a little off the music, it doesn't have the same punch, (laughs) the same energy, and so, I was very aware of the movement and the musicality, but I was blessed with that he seemed to like what I was doing, and he wouldn't really ever really say, I don't like it, or you could do this differently or do it better. I never had let kind of never corrections. he just say, you know, good, or, and, you know, it was not... Um,
0: he didn't micromanage you
1: no, in your dancing. He, he gave you it, freedom There was a in the trust scripts. and a, a yeah. freedom.
0: It's so interesting, Patty, how you say Mr. B didn't explain very much, but he showed you. Oh, that.
1: it was so beautiful. And he thought, oh, you're not know, going be able to ever do it as well as he could do it. Yeah. So I would try very, because he was always in my mind. There was a vision.
0: Of how he would
1: dance. Yeah. The way he moved was so modern. And, you know... Just a shoulder, or the hips—the way his hips, or the way he'd show you—it was so on the music. I really tried to put myself in his body and be him, and try to just mirror him. And if you can mirror him and copy him, I used to do that with Jerry Robbins too all the time, because and try to grasp it immediately fast. Mm. So and that's what he always did. And mm. you know, but. But he did, really, he did not like to uh, tell you. He felt that you should have the imagination. He liked to sort of test people and throw them in ballets many times. You'd have a week, actually, sometimes my name wouldn't go on the casting a week before you
0: know, for but, something you'd never done no, before. But no, but
1: he was so loyal because when you he did a ballet for you, you would do it years and years without. He didn't want to see anybody else do it.
0: Was you your know, part.
1: and so you had to stay healthy because you you didn't want and you didn't have an understudy usually in the in the old in the early days. And um,
0: if it was your ballet, it was your It was your, so and they the could do casting
1: by the ballerinas, or they'd have. A ballet for each of them on every. I used to dance a lot, and everybody would dance, you know. We could get. And our principals were less because there were only five or six women. So we would dance quite a lot, sometimes two times an evening or three times even. Patty, in
0: 1967, Mr. Balanchine choreographed Jules. And yes. it was the first full length plotless ballet, which is kind of an interesting thing to say because it's really three separate ballets emeralds, rubies, diamonds and they can be performed individually and it's interesting to note that rubies, the section he made for you is the one that's most performed and it's choreographed to the Capriccio for Piano and Orchestra by Stravinsky which is a piece that Mr. Stravinsky wrote for himself to play as a showpiece to help him make money as he was living in Europe after he'd left Russia. It's a breadwinning piece for Mr. Stravinsky and Stravinsky was so important to Balanchine, and could you talk a little bit about that? And he, Mr. Stravinsky, was also very important to you.
1: Yes, uh, yes, yes, it's true. It was amazing I met him, uh, Igor Stravinsky, because um, originally, uh, Mr. Balanchine, uh, to had we went to Hamburg, for Igor Stravinsky did a tour of the world for his 80th birthday, and. Mr. B came and asked me because it, he could only take 12 people and I had just been made a principal and he said, if you learn the core of Agon <laughs> and you learn call- Calliope in, in Apollo I take you and I said, oh yes You're at like, at I'll least, learn it I'm oh, I'll be such a thrill so I learned it and um, so I, I went to Hamburg and it was a history it was such a history to meet igor stravinsky and to see these two ge- geniuses together working on this beautiful program of it was Ag- agon orpheus and apollo and to see them working and robert uh, Kraft conducted the other two ballets and and igor stravinsky conducted apollo But on orchestra rehearsals, they would be sitting, having a little a little vodka with a, a what a, you know beer chaser or something. This would be toasting, and I thought this. Is, I was near to see the two geniuses like that, and I know how Mr. Balanchine really he admired him so much, and uh, to see this in, in you know, and I remember <laughs> when I was in fifth grade, I was telling you the other day, I said who would I I could pinch myself when I think I didn't know George Balanchine at that time when I was in at my local valley school but I I knew the I think I heard the firebird and my teacher choreographed the firebird so I it was his music and I did research and I listened to his music and I just loved him I did a report in school on. I just found it the other day I was going through some papers and I found this and I, I had forgotten you know, it's been a long time ago. But I found it. And there was me talking about Igor Stravinsky's life, you know, his composing life. In
0: this fifth grade school. And fifty
1: and here I am dancing and and to be able to dance his music and have Mr. B's choreography. But he conducted that performance and I remember doing Calliope and there's in the end of the solo as you're doing saute, you go down and you, you bow. And there I was bowing to Igor Stravinsky and the orchestra pit. <laughs> it was such a inspiring moment for me, just to think about, you know, and um, just amazing.
0: And so he chose the Capriccio for Piano and Orchestra for rubies. Oh. No, for your for yeah, your that's... section, he chose the Capriccio for piano and orchestra. And that's the centerpiece of jewels, framed on either side by emeralds and diamonds. Emeralds being this evocation of the romanticism of the Paris Opera to the music of Fauré. And then Mr. B evoking the majesty of the Imperial Russian ballet and the Mariinsky Theater and the St. Petersburg of his youth using this oh. glorious Tchaikovsky music. But then at the heart of jewels is rubies. And at the heart of Rubies was you, and Edward Villella, and your partnership. And could you talk to us about that partnership with Eddie and how that shaped the ballet Rubies?
1: Oh yes. Well, I I I've been I had danced with Eddie like Symphony and C for years, uh, and we had a partnership uh, before Rubies. Mr. Balanchine did a choreographed uh, Tarantella on us. And uh, we had, you know, doing symphony, three we had a big repertoire together. We had a partnership. So we were so used to each other during that time. And, you know, I didn't know what it would be like, but I I knew if it was Stravinsky, I was just delighted to be able to to have a a Stravinsky uh, ballet to do something more contemporary. And I had done a lot of... Classical works with Mr. Bowen, you know, like the Harlequin Nod uh, Mr. Bowen made for Eddie and I. So we had, we were such a team, and he knew, we knew each other so well. I could throw myself and he'd be there for me. And, um, and then we had such a lovely, fun relationship, you know, laughing, and, you know, we always would egg each other on, or we, and, you know, I could, we could, I'd say, Ellie, I'd say Eddie. Could you push me a little over here? We had such a wonderful working relationship, very loving and, you know, fun. And uh, so when when Rubies came, I I was so delighted. I have no idea what was in store for us because he had started Emeralds, I think, uh, earlier. I think he had started, and the rumors were that I hadn't seen a step of it, that it was a masterpiece. It was so beautiful, but very beautiful, classical, and... um, I know the dancers were very excited by it. So, and then uh, my Nicholas Magalanis, who was in the company, said, "Oh, Mr. B had choreographed to this music before years ago in the company." And he said, "Oh, it's really good, but it was dropped. I don't know why." But so he had had an inkling, and he knew the music. Or his—I mean—it was such a brilliant idea for him to do this: three totally different ballets linked. I mean, it shows the depth of his, his great art of choreography, to do these three master ballets in one evening, and to do beautiful roles for each and every one of us was so extraordinary. But we came in, Eddie and I came in, Mr. B rolled up his sleeves, <laughs> and he started dancing, partnering me, and it was very hippy, jazzy, you know, to get the, the music the counts were very important every i knew every single count you had to because you wanted to be on top of the one to be ready to be on the music it was something i felt that was really important to the ballet the music the musicality because i when i saw him do it i said oh that's fantastic i didn't say it but i was thinking it Oh wow! I, oh, I want to do that just the way you do it. I didn't say that to him, but okay. in, internally, yeah. I'm very excited. But I want to go fast enough because he was he was showing it at such a speed that I wanted to really get it into my body the way he was doing it. And mm-hmm. I was always really careful to be able to do what he wanted because mm-hmm. nothing in my thought would be oh I can't I don't want to do it I can't do it. I just thought, go for it, you've got to try your best, and, and, uh, and he was so charming and sweet and kind, and there's a twinkle in his eye, and I looked at Eddie, and we were like into it, and he just went, and it, 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 it was done, and it was such an exciting ballet, and uh, it was so different than the other two, I just love that. Mm. I love the, um, the speed. And each movement, I felt like, he didn't really tell me, (laughs) really. Because the ballet's
0: in three movements. In three
1: movements, and I always felt the first movement is rather playful. But the second one is a really different character. And I feel like he wanted to be a different character. And the music was angry, so he said to, like, angry, strong legs. Like the da-da-da-dum, uh, uh, one. You know, very sharp. Partner me in everything in those days. He was in his 60s, but he was a superb partner, and everything he did with me was really easy. I could, like, do it right away. He was such a great It just partner. worked, you know, and then i do it with Eddie, and then we had to try to try to do it the way Mr. B did it with me. Every ballet, I always was overwhelmed what what would come out next, hmm. you know, and how comfortable it would feel. And if it wasn't comfortable enough, I knew it would... We would able be to work it out so that it it would be one day. But normally it was really very comfortable.
0: Because he was so attentive to how you danced, and he knew your dancing so well that he yes. could make something that fit you like a couture gown. Yeah.
1: Also, I have to say it was really there's a really cute story because, in the finale of Rubies, there was an end, It was the end of the ballet, but. Uh, what happened was, at the end, we didn't run off stage. It was quite exhausting. And I think he saw that it, we, I think the first, maybe it was the first stage rehearsal, or maybe the first show. And so he came back and he said, dear, I think I made something even too difficult for you, too exhausting for you. Let's run off stage and, and count, I don't know, there's a silent four or something that we could run off, catch our breasts. Because it was, a stamina. I didn't feel like it was hard technically, Rubies, but it was stamina-wise. You had Because if you really did it full out and traveled the way you did, you gave an energy to everything, mm. which he wa- I knew he wanted that. So he gave us a rest, and, he and I so we go off and rest. And then you ran and, back in and for
0: then the run back. And then we run him
1: back. But it was so dear to say, you know, even you. I realize I made it too, too much, and I need to get you off to rest a little bit, because his his ballets were very taxing. You know, but
0: Especially the uh, ones he made for you.
1: Yeah. Well I had a lot of stamina. Eddie and I just had fun looking at one another and playing with each other and making making rhythms and working off each other. It was so so a lot of fun to do. Maybe you there know, was a little was more so tension in fun. the pas de deux. ten yeah, a little tension. Um, I I tried to be you know how powerful that music is? Da 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 I mean can you imagine? And mm-hmm. doing the steps that he choreographed mm-hmm. for it was so, it's just so grounded and you could really get into it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so beautiful and, um, but he uh, he didn't really uh, talk about. He trusted you, and I guess if he didn't say anything,
0: that was probably you know, good. and
1: he wouldn't have was good. But the excitement of the audience when you heard it—you know—you go off, and the people would ca- uh, applaud and. Eddie's section, the house would come down. Because Eddie was such a charismatic, that personality, he was like larger than life. So can you imagine dancing, looking in that face, mm. <laughs> dancing with him? How wonderful it was for me, mm. you know. And um, but uh, it was wonderful to have been given that gift, yes. to have been made on Eddie, and I it was so. So special, so special, and then of course you know there's always such a thunderous applause. It, 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 you know, it's it's so wonderful that the audience was so into it. It made me feel so good that they liked they liked the ballet. They liked his. You know, it was all we were all thinking of Mr. V. We wanted it to be a great success for him.
0: Mm-hmm. Lincoln Kirstein wrote this about Rubies, which I thought was interesting. He said, Rubies, Stravinsky's capriccio for piano and orchestra, dictated an ironic speed and lyric humor for the dashing variations of Edward Vellella and Patricia McBride, a platoon of pony jockeys and Philly ballerinas danced in oxblood or crimson epaulets and belts. <laughs> So maybe even he I thought there was a little that. equestrian never, vibe to movies,
1: so, But, you know but that was, m-
0: and Lincoln loved dressage and I the horses and
1: Well, he did a potato de for Jacques Dumboise and Patricia Wilde called Native Dancers after a horse. That and was they true. were really, she was really a filly. Mm. And he was a jockey. He was dressed that way. Mm-hmm. I wonder what ever became of that ballad. Yeah. Because they were wonderful in it. That's very they were wonderful in it. And
0: Mr. B, of course, talked a lot about the pas de cheval, that step we have in class, the step of the horse, and yeah. how you present like, the foot yes. and lift the knee to present the foot. Yeah. So there was a little bit of that in his teaching. But he never talked about the horse imagery to y'all as he choreographed it, did, the, uh, did no, he? No, no.
1: But we were, yeah. You,
0: know, you could just absorb jumping. that. And there's some but jumping I rope port de bras. Yeah, that's true. you doing jumping true. rope with skipping the wrists, r- yeah, Skipping rope. Yeah, right. that's right. fun. That's right. And then Patty, there's one very distinctive port de bras in rubies where the dancers have their arms outstretched to the side and then they break their wrists and oh, elbows yes, in and push back out the chicken. Right? And That's you right. ha- you you had told me a story about those chicken arms. Could you oh, share chicken. that with us? Well
1: I had an entrance for you know, I did it. One of those entrances, you know, I had the chicken in the first, arms, movement, yeah. the first movement. Which is such a fun thing. And Pat Neary was amazing as a taller. She wow. was I mean, that was awesome. Her steps were so great. Uh but well she was doing something I was there doing the chicken step and I, oh I said that's such a great step and then one day I was in rehearsal before, way before we opened in it and I was pra- and I was thinking well maybe I could do instead of doing regular arms in the like a regular double pirouette, I could do the chicken step arms. With so the just, with the piqué turns. With the piqué turns, and there was also da 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 So I did it on movement, that step. Yeah. That step. Mm. So I did that because it looked like what he had choreographed before. So I just added the arms a little decoration, you know, that, and he liked it, I guess, he didn't say anything, about he didn't really mention anything about it, but we kept it in.
0: And those PK oh, turns yeah, with the chicken arms for the lead and the third movement are iconic now, but they were just, but
1: it's balancing, you see, so I I just took it and put it on the pirouette, and so,
0: for those of you at home, this is what this chicken arm looks like, so Patty has her two arms out to the side with her wrists flexed.
1: Uh, not foot. No, no, not flex. Just put them out straight, like a straight... Leg.
0: Patty has her arms out straight, straight. to the side with her now palms you, facing the floor.
1: And uh, you, you pop your elbows in.
0: She pops the... The
1: elbows come in.
0: Both elbows come in.
1: Naturally. And there it is. And the
0: fingers <laughs> the are rounded. The palms are still facing the floor, fingers. but broken in the Your fingers have to look pretty. Five, ten uh,
1: pretty. And uh, they're droopy. Your mm-hmm. hands are... You relax totally. <laughs> We're he get that from? So clever. <laughs> it's so much fun. And as you do. One, two, three, four. And then it's on, You go in and, in and then you have to do your feet combined with it. So it, he used to say in class do these twister steps that like you work your mind your mind works face. combinations. He always used to like to do tricky combinations. Uh, so, so if this is like rubbing the tummy and patting your head, you do ta ta, then you have to do foot foot.
0: So, you did hand, to- two hands break in, but two when you do, pop. you do
1: hands hand, hand. hand, then you have to do you're in fourth position with your heels. heels are down. You lift your heel up, Put, heel up, heel, up, heel, heel down, up. heel down, arm arm. arm. So, it so, it goes so, wrist come in, wrist come in, heel,
0: heel pop, heel three, heel four. pop.
1: Down heel five, down, heel down, six, wrist arm out, out and arm strong. Out. But strong on strong. right on the count. It's got to be sharp and right on the count. So
0: when you look at this audience <laughs> in the first movement, it looks like arm in, arm in, heel up, heel up, heel down, heel down, arm out, arm out. Yes. And they repeat. Arm in, One. arm in, heel up, heel up, heel down, heel down, heel down, arm out, arm out. And it's in, in, up, yeah. up, down, down, <laughs> out, out. To Stravinsky. To (laughs) Stravinsky. And you'll see it in the first movement of Rubies. And then you'll see those same broken wrist, broken arm, chicken arms, when the principal ballerina does her series of PK turns on one leg in the third movement of the ballet.
1: Mm -hmm. But it's all, but the rhythms Mm -hmm. also of the ballet Mm -hmm. make it what it is. Mm -hmm. It has to be performed with that energy. The Mm -hmm. boys that. It's such a great dance. Good and cast the for, chorus yeah. are great too, what they have, mm-hmm. And you know, I've staged the ballet, the whole the corps, the soloist, and everything, mm-hmm. and I fall in love with Mr. Balanchine over again. I was always in the front. I never realized what he was doing in it because I was always in it. Uh, what they do is so extraordinary. You see all the you see the music of the orchestra, the counter rhythms going on, you know, there could be three things going on at once, and it's so fantastic. I think the dancers just love doing it too. Mm. The prancing step when they do the prance, the girls in the core and all of that, and the four boys with that lead
0: partnering her. Oh, it's
1: such a fab it's so divine. She's so
0: powerful. Oh it's,
1: be- it's a beautiful role. But it has to be done right on the music, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. even more powerful. And I think everybody loves doing it. If they the do drama
0: it. is in the musicality.
1: And we grew over the time, you know. You never, I never felt really ready opening night of things. But you kind of... What's so fabulous is he trusted you and he let you grow in these valleys. Mm.
0: How do you feel that you grew in rubies over the many years that you danced it? And what did you discover in it as you danced it for oh, those many years?
1: well, I think you changed a little bit with your different partners. Mm. In the beginning, I, I did it with Edward, Rilella, and... Um, John Clifford after, and Ricky Weiss, and Mark Cook, and Bereznikov, Misha, and my last one, Eve Anderson. So it must look different with the chemistry. I think the interaction is so different with each, each partner. And you get more confidence, of course, as you go along, because you know it so well. And we're not dancing to a tape recorder, so you have a live orchestra, so The tempos are different, and it could make you feel a little different way, or sometimes it's a little slower, so you have to, you know. But I always loved it from the first moment I did it.
0: Here ends part one. My conversation with Patricia McBride continues in part two which is available now. To stay up to date on all City Valley podcast releases, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll join me again to hear the dance.